Welcome to the Spirit Restored Podcast. This is where the curiosities of spiritualism meet the belief systems of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This podcast is only for those with an open mind. Join Ken Adams on his quest to find higher planes of spiritual experience. Welcome to the Spirit Restored Podcast. This is Ken Adams, and I'm going to tell you already that this episode is going to be an important one because I am directly approaching and analyzing four limitations that occur in the church that are making so many people's lives so difficult. And have you ever made anything unnecessarily difficult? I mean, for me, just like a few years ago, my wife and I, we were at our house and in front of our house, we had this like rock and concrete flower bed that was right there in front. And one day my wife woke up and said, Hey, I don't really like that flower bed. Can you get rid of it? Now, this wasn't a small rock and concrete flower bed. This was about 20 feet long and five feet wide and four feet deep. So this was over 5,000 pounds of concrete. And uh, I thought, well, I don't really know much about demolition. I bet probably just like a sledgehammer and um, a wooden... Well, actually, I asked my father-in-law. He advised me to use an iron... Uh, pick, which is basically a big old iron bar with like a sharp edge on the bottom to just chisel away at that concrete. And so I did that every day for months, three months, chiseling down this flower bed until it was all the way gone. And it wasn't until at the end of that, that I discovered how much easier it could have been. And actually I find this all the time, just in my family, we were having a discussion once. Actually, I was listening to the conversation of my parents, my siblings, and they were talking about driving across the country and how many hours straight they drove and how difficult it was. And the interesting thing was the competition around the conversation wasn't about who had the best time, who had the funnest time. The conversation was about who had the most difficult time, who was the most tired, who had drove the furthest without sleep. And it was like this pain competition, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this is like after I took all the trainings, I'm like, I don't really want to participate in this. So I had like a funny comment that I was going to give to it. And really the solution to a lot of the problems that we have in life is some kind of funny comment. I truly believe in that. And someone that was at the training we just had last week, I just put on a training. It was a five-day training. That's why I didn't release an episode this last week or the week before. I was preparing for this training. <clears throat> and um, in this training, we had someone there that was uh, releasing some limitations and really moving on from some things, some beliefs that they had in their life. And they had a quadruple bind of limitations. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that it is. That's basically when there's four limitations that feed into each other and prevent any of the other limitations from being released. So, the, so as someone tries to release one limitation, the other three try and prevent from releasing that one. So here, here are the limitations. I can't be happy. Number two, I can't change. Number three, I want to be anyone else other than myself. And number four, I'm not worthwhile. As soon as he was trying to release one of those, the other three would come in and, and say, don't do it, right? Because he was holding on to these limitations for certain reasons and to protect himself. 
And it was interesting. I was watching and observing as, as the trainer of the training to watch him go from person to person and not be able to release this limitation. So I thought, you know, at the end, he can come up with me and we'll work on it. In fact, like this created almost a controversy, right? Because it's like these people in the training are learning how to do this and they weren't able to do this. And the person that was there to get help isn't getting help. And for me, I'm very confident in my own abilities. And so I was ready to have him. In fact, like, I feel like this kind of thinking that we, he, he had, this person had, was very much something that I've ran across often with people in the LDS church. It, both in my consulting business, both in my coaching business, in my training business, and as just in conversations when I go and minister, when I talk to people at church, when I teach lessons, when people teach lessons, this is these uh, limitations keep showing up and up and up. So there in Sunday school, someone said that commandments were supposed to, well, uh, he was, okay, let me back up. First of all, I have another controversy in Sunday school, right? Always I'm doing this. I'm hearing something. I'm like, okay, well, that's not necessarily true. Someone said that the gospel is simple, but it's hard. And it's supposed to be hard because if it wasn't hard, then we couldn't be like God. Yeah. And if you know me, if you've listened to this podcast and other episodes, you could imagine all the thoughts that I had in my head as this person was saying it. And, and really, I looked at him and I said, okay, like, you're a great person. And I understand most people are just wanting to live a righteous life and to make it back to God. And in fact, part of the problem in church culture is that we glorify hard. We really glorify this idea of things being struggled and difficult and overcoming it, right? And and it's all in our pioneer heritage. It's all in our missionary stories. In fact, with when I was working for the Missionary Training Center, there were these mission presidents that would get called and put into these positions. And this is around the same time that we're releasing smartphones, tablets to do missionary work online. And they're being a little bit old school with the missionaries, I could say. They're telling the missionaries to go knock on doors and really encroach in people's private space. I mean, how many of you out there right now even knock on someone's door without texting them first, right? It's like, it doesn't even happen so much anymore that you just randomly knock on someone's door. But the the mission presence were doing this for the reason of, well, when I was a young missionary, I knocked doors, I went tracting. And because of that, I'm a better person of who I am now. And, you know, there's, the church has a response to that, right? Even now, and, and church leaders are working toward that. But I wanted to say, you know, this podcast is really to look and analyze at these beliefs that make people believe that the gospel is difficult. So I, w- I want you to think of this. Have you ever felt like living the gospel is really difficult? In fact, I know a lot of members that would say yes. What if it wasn't? What if living the gospel was actually easy? Would that be interesting to you to know how it would be easy? For me, it's definitely interesting. So let's talk about overview, big overview, right? What gets in the way of living the gospel easily? Well, number one, here's, well, there's four beliefs. I'm going to share four beliefs that people have. Number one, believing that God or Jesus wants our lives to be hard so we can learn to be like him. Yeah, this is going back to what this brother in church shared that if 
living the gospel wasn't hard, then we couldn't be like God. Yeah. Or another thing is because Jesus Christ suffered so much, then I have to suffer in order to be like him. So those, that's a belief there. Kate, belief number two, believing that commandments are part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this is really a subtle one, and I'm going to dive into this in a moment. Uh, I know probably initially you're like, well, aren't they? Right? Well, I'll show you why it's important to make a distinction. Number three, inability to ask for help. Yeah, and this is usually a reflection of beliefs on whether or not the help will be helpful. So I've spoken to a lot of members about this. So many people share the same problem is they like, how are we supposed to be doing ministering and how are we supposed to be helping people if no one asks for help, right? No wonder not very many people minister is because they don't ask for help themselves. So they project that on someone else and saying, well, they probably don't need help unconsciously at least. Okay. Number four, needing to punish yourself before allowing yourself to move on. These are like the big four limitations. So let's jump right in with the first one, believing that God or Jesus wants our lives to be hard. So where did this start, right? First of all, this was influenced by a couple things. It's influenced by Protestant influx of converts to the church from England. So back in the early days of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, missionary work was in Great Britain and England, and there was a lot of people that were Protestant there that became baptized and came back over to the U.S. And even those in the United States were Protestant had remnants of certain beliefs that were bringing about religion and Christianity that it has to be hard. So it comes from a couple scriptures as well, not only in Protestantism that was brought into LDS culture, but also as we interpret the scriptures here in the church, right? So in John 15, 20, Jesus says, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So this is Jesus Christ talking to his apostles before Jesus Christ dies. And he said, he's telling them that they will be persecuted for being Christians, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's going to be hard and difficult. And people say, well, I, because he said that to the apostles, then that means every time I follow Jesus Christ, every time I do his work, I should expect it to be very difficult and to receive a lot of persecution. Now, Maybe, maybe persecution does follow someone like me saying that life can be easy when you believe in God and you trust in him, right? And people not believe that. They'll say you're foolish, you know? So yeah, that can definitely happen. The thing is that it's not meant to be living the, that's not living the gospel. That's preaching the gospel, okay? Now preaching the gospel is a different story, right? Because podcasts like this, is preaching the gospel, going to someone's place and talking about beliefs that are totally different than what they grew up with are going to be rejected, right? But that's not living the gospel. That's preaching the gospel. So even then preaching the gospel doesn't have to be hard. We can make it so much easier, so much easier, right? Just like that example I was telling you about the mission presence that were forcing their missionaries to tract when they didn't need to, right? We don't have to make it hard. So Also, another scripture, Matthew 16, verse 24. This is another scripture talking that people use when talking about how God wants life to be hard, wants our 
living the gospel to be hard. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for thy sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall man give in exchange for his soul? So basically he's saying, take up your cross, right? And we have this image in our head of Jesus Christ carrying his own cross and what a huge burden it was and how difficult. And we've now conflated the scripture to mean that when we follow Jesus Christ, it has to be hard. We must make it as hard as possible because we have this cross on our backs, right? Well, let me confront you with a certain scripture from Jesus Christ that actually confronts this idea that it has to be that way. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how can we say that it's more difficult to follow Jesus Christ when he says, come to me? He's basically saying here in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, that cross that you're carrying is really my cross. And when you come with me, we'll carry it together. And I'll carry the side that's heavy and full of the burdens and full of the punishment. I'll carry the side that is the pure justice of God. And you carry the side of all the benefits that came from it, if that makes sense. Because when we're talking about a yoke, a yoke is what they put around the neck of an ox. And that is what the ox uses to push the, the uh, carriage, yeah? And when the ox pushes it, then it all moves. And Jesus is saying, put on my yoke. It's light, right? Because he's already taken the burdens. And more food for thought. Jesus over, what, did, what are all the things that Jesus overcame? Death, illness, and all sin, right? What else did he do? He gave us things like the Spirit, right? He gave us his teachings, an organization of prophets and apostles. He gave priesthood power, yeah, all to make life easier and more enjoyable as we learn and grow. And literally the mission of the early apostles and the modern church is to spread the good news that life is supposed to be so much easier than traditionally thought in traditional religion, that we don't have to walk around punishing ourselves or counting steps. That's what Jesus took on directly with the Pharisees. He, he was approaching this idea that you gain salvation by counting your steps or keeping a script in your hat with a scripture or not healing people on Sunday, which Jesus healed people on Sunday to show that that was ridiculous, right? He's showing this idea of unnecessarily making life hard is not his way. He actually wants it to be so much easier. If given the choice on Sunday, someone being ill or Jesus Christ healing that person and making their life easier, Jesus Christ heals the person. So you have to start thinking about this in your own life. How are you making your own life hard or difficult when it doesn't even actually have to be? And what are ways that we commonly make our own lives hard? Well, let's think about this. One is internal conflict. And internal conflict is basically when we want to act on two competing actions. Yeah. And you might even call this wickedness. When someone says, I want to live with God, but I want to indulge in sin. Yeah, those are competing actions, right? That's never going to bring happiness. You, there's not going to be space to both serve God and mammon. That's just, that's just going to make life hard, 
right? And so the solution is always repentance. That's the solution. And repentance is not hard. Despite what you may have thought or may have been told, repentance is not hard. Repentance is simply owning up to the fact that you're creating your own reality and desiring to learn with God and letting God teach you and lessons learned don't repeat themselves. Yeah. It's so much easier than anything else. And it's the only way, right? And so here's another thing that keeps us, keeps people unhappy in their lives being hard is they want to live in a way that brings uh, unhappiness, but want results that make them happy. Yeah. Like I know, I know someone that basically doesn't want to pay anybody that he owes money to, but he himself wants to make a lot of money. How is he going to create wealth and build wealth and make money for himself if he's unable to share it or give it to other people? Now, naturally the consequences are, is that he's not making more money and people don't want to do business with him because he doesn't pay people back that he does business with. So these are things that make life hard, right? Here's another one. Believing lies about what life is supposed to be like. Yeah, so here's a lie, that life must be hard and that we will be rewarded for the difficulties we create for ourselves. So that will make life hard. Believing that makes life hard. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be so much easier. So let's go on to the belief number two. The commandments are not part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, actually, the belief, the belief is that commandments are a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I'm going to say is that they are not part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a common misconception that our obedience to commandments is what gospel living is. And that is one of the most subtle untruths that exist in church culture. And it comes from a scripture in John chapter 15, verse 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, there are other translations of the scripture that say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah. So this shows that keeping Christ's commandments are a result of loving him. To me, it does not mean that in order to prove your love for Christ, you need to force yourself to keep commandments. Now, here's the problem. So I was in church, right? Someone's, I, I raised my hand and I said, you know, you said living the gospel is really hard, but I want to ask you, is it living the gospel that's hard or is it living the commandments that's hard? And they all thought about it and they're like, oh yeah, I guess it's living the commandments that's difficult. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Of course it is. Like the commandments are a blueprint for a happy life and not all of our hearts always want a happy life. Sometimes we want misery because we haven't explored it yet. Sometimes we want things that are difficult. Sometimes we want sin. And that's something that we just need to openly own up to and say, yeah, like there's parts of me that say, I don't want to live righteously. And there's other parts of me that say they do. And when you open up about that and you're true about it, that it's not the behavior that's holding you back. It's the desire that's in your heart that's holding you back. Then you can learn lessons. Yeah, because controlling your behavior is not learning a lesson. That's just an action. When you learn a lesson, you say, okay, what specifically in my heart, how, how specifically am I desiring wickedness? And then you find that out and you say, why? What's the purpose of it? Why do I want that? Yeah. And you're going to be led to certain answers and you're going to find the answers. You're going to learn your lessons. This is really important. So scriptures teach us. So first of all, what is the gospel, right? Like we really need a good, clear definition of that. In the book of Romans chapter one, verse 16, Paul is saying, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth." Okay. So that's a, that's a, 
high level definition of the gospel, right? It's, it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth in Christ. And it's a super simple definition. It doesn't say that the gospel is living the commandments perfectly. No, it doesn't. And in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, it says, for grace, ye are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So this is the first principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of living the gospel of Jesus Christ, is having that true faith in him. Yeah. And that pure faith will free us. And in the Book of Mormon, which is Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints scripture, in the book of Third Nephi, chapter 27, verse 20, it says, now, and this is Jesus Christ talking when he's visiting the people in America in the Book of Mormon. Now this is the commandment, repent all ye ends of the earth and come unto me and be baptized in my name, that ye may be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost, that ye may stand spotless before me at the last day. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is my gospel. So his gospel is to help all of us be spotless in the last day so that we can live with God, right? And in other scriptures, you know, to also live after the man of happiness. Men felt that they might have joy. These are other scriptures in the Book of Mormon. And that this life is the time to prepare to meet God. All of these are part of the gospel. It's And this gives you a broad picture that the gospel is just basically saying, this is how God saves us. Yeah. And... The principles in there are to repent and to be baptized and be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost so that we can continually be spotless. That's all we have to do, right? It doesn't say live the commandments perfectly. It just says repent. And when you make covenants with God, which is what a baptism is, you make an ordinance and a covenant to follow God, then you have more access to his power to be even more cleansed, yeah? And to be even more sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And these are all tools to make it more simple. And so really, if living the gospel is hard, it's because your focus might be on living the commandments when it needs to be on following Christ and repenting through him and allowing the spirit to teach you and guide you and trusting in the promises of God. When you do that, it's actually really easy because you don't have to control your behavior anymore. The only thing you need to be willing to do is have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, is be willing to humble yourself and come on unto Jesus Christ and let him heal you without needing to change your behavior first. He will heal you as you are, exactly how you are. So this goes into the next limitation, the third one, which is needing to punish yourself before allowing yourself to move on. And this is one of the biggest problems that I see in the church. And it's that people enjoy self-punishment for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't feel comfortable going to Christ until they have punished themselves sufficiently. Now, this is a huge issue because by the time they've punished themselves sufficiently, they've gone and sin, sinned again. And it's just a never-ending cycle. They will never go to Christ because between that time of punishing themselves enough, they'll indulge in sin again, so then they have to start the cycle all over again. The other thing that happens, right, is that... People feel like in order to feel the love of God, in order to feel the love of Christ, they need to sin first so that they have reason to repent and go unto him. Now, this is basically a way of using the gospel that is detrimental. You actually should just always have the mindset of whatever you're doing in life, go to God, right? Allow him to open the doors of abundance to you. Allow him to open the doors of happiness to you, regardless of whether you're sinning or not, especially when you're not sinning. Have that attitude, right? 
And even when you're sinning, especially when you're sinning, have the attitude that God will open the doors of abundance of love and joy and healing, everything, right? And what happens is when people are punishing themselves, this is how they punish themselves. It comes in the form of negative self-talk, comes in the form of feeling bad emotionally or restricting themselves from dating or intimacy or self-isolation, people self-isolate or playing bad images about themselves in their minds or not allowing themselves to make money because they don't believe they deserve it because of their sinful state. Sometimes it's self-harm and there's other ways that people are punishing themselves. All of this is basically feeding into the plan of Satan, right? Like if Satan could control people, it would get them to believe that they must punish themselves before going to Christ. And you might be thinking, well, I like to go to Christ. I don't do that much. Check your thoughts. Go through your behavior. See if you are self-isolating. See if you do have negative self-talk or you are feeling bad. If any of those pop up, it just means repentance. It doesn't mean punishment. Repent of the limitations that you believe. Repent of the desires that are in your heart. And you'll notice that you'll be able to be happy again, that you'll have positive self-talk, that you'll feel good all the time, and you'll see more miracles in your life. And so all of this is completely unnecessary, the punishing, yeah? Because your consequences will be a natural result of your actions rather than an action that you need to take against yourself. It's as simple as saying, I guess how I'm living results in me being happier or unhappier, but it is unnecessary for me to unintentionally or subconsciously make it worse, yeah? So you don't have to feel bad for anything, actually, that you've done. You really don't. This is really controversial. And if you want to hear more about that, listen to my prior episode called uh, Guilt is Not Godly Sorrow. Yeah. You don't have to feel bad for what you've done if you just instead learn from it and move on. Yeah. And I'll give you 50 bucks if you can find a scripture where Christ tells us that we must feel shame, guilt, or anger about our actions. If you can find that scripture, I'll give you 50 bucks. I can promise you it's not there. Jesus Christ never wants us to feel shame, guilt, anger, sadness, fear about our actions. He wants us to confidently and with love and joy lean into repentance and choosing to become the person that we want to become. So in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus Christ says this, peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So really the fruits of going to Christ is going to be peace. It will never be these negative emotions. So if you're punishing yourself, whose fruits are those? You're living a different gospel. You're living the gospel of Satan through self-punishment. When I put it in that perspective, yeah, it might rattle you, but you have to understand that the medium through which Satan does his work is in the mind. He promotes negative energy, negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative actions. All of that, fear, anger, guilt, shame, all of that is from Satan. And in order to truly live the gospel, you must fully embrace emotions of happiness and peace and joy and love. And that's, that's when you're living the gospel. And if you don't desire to be happy, then you must repent of that desire to not be happy. Once you repent of that, then he will show you all the reasons why it is your destiny to be a joyful and happy person. So in Alma chapter 42, verse 28, this is in the Book of Mormon once again. 
this was a really impactful scripture for me as a youth because I felt like I had to punish myself in order to move on from things. I felt like I had to feel guilty. I had to feel ashamed. And in, in this, it's Alma the Younger teaching his son. And he says, if he has desired to do evil, oh, by the way, this son was a missionary and slept around as a missionary. And so he's basically giving him teaching so that he can learn the plan of salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in starting 28, if he has desired to do evil and has not repented in his days, behold, evil shall be done unto him according to the restoration of God. So this is going back to the idea that our consequences are natural. Based on how we're living our lives, we have natural consequences. We don't need to punish ourselves more than what comes to us naturally. And now, my son, I desire that you should let these things trouble you no more, and only let your sins trouble you, with that trouble which shall bring you down unto repentance. O my son, I desire that ye should deny not the justice of God no more. Do not endeavor to excuse yourself in the least point because of your sins, by denying the justice of God. But do you let the justice of God and his mercy and his long-suffering have full sway in your heart? And let it bring you down to the dust of humility. So basically he's saying, stop avoiding consequences, right? Your consequences are natural. Don't create new consequences for yourself that aren't natural. And allow yourself to repent and be humble and go to repentance. If you're ever feeling bad, just let it signal to you that it's time to repent. Because you must repent from feeling bad. You must repent from feeling guilty or anger. That's what you're repenting of here on this earth. You repent until life is just joyful, right? That's what repentance is for. So all of these limitations tie up into the last limitation, which is the inability to ask for help. And this belief happens, right? When we believe those first three limitations that I spoke about here, when we believe that God wants our lives to be hard, when we believe that the gospel is simply how well we obey and when we believe that we must punish ourselves, then we lose the ability to ask for help because living the gospel that way is an incorrect, incorrect way of living the gospel. And it will bring us to think that we have to do everything on our own. And that when we ask for help, as in going to a bishop or asking a family member, or really the best of all is going straight to God, that they will not help us. And if this is the belief that someone has, then they will not be able to change they will not be able to move forward. And the kind of change that they have in their life will be very stressful because it will all be bubbling underneath the surface because they're fighting desire. What you have to do is learn to ask for help. And I've noticed this is a very common problem in the LDS church is not knowing how to ask for help. Like I said before, it's like, of course, ministering, not everybody's ministering to each other because not everybody knows how to ask for help. And they project on other people that they don't need help when they do. And so asking for help yourself will actually help you get out in your community as well and do more things that are good for you. So what does Christ teach us about asking for help? In the Book of Mormon, chapter 3, or 3 Nephi, chapter 9, verse 14, it says, Yea, verily I say unto you, if you will come unto me, you shall have eternal life. Behold, mine arm of mercy is extended towards you, and whosoever will come, him will I receive, and blessed are those who come unto me. His arm of mercy is always extended, and it's up to you to go to him. How about this scripture? Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Ask, and you shall receive. 
right? Or how about this scripture? If a son asketh of a father to give him bread, will he give him a stone, right? Likewise, your father in heaven, who is much more than of an earthly father, will give us more than that. Think of these scriptures, right? We are to ask God and Jesus Christ for help every minute of the day, right? Because they are all powerful. Why wouldn't you ask all powerful beings for help when they offer it to you? I mean, how many times have you had someone offer you help that could have gotten you out of your situation, but you rejected it? Like I had someone that was a friend of mine that he rejected our help and it literally is the difference between his life being very happy and fulfilling and his life being on drugs in a trailer park. Like literally, if he would just have accepted the help, it would have been so much different. Like this is a very important thing and a very important lesson that I'm personally learning in my life is this ability to ask for help. Now, one thing I'll add is that asking for Christ's help is the essence of faith. And I can prove this by the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, it says, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, they came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at the home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So this guy, a centurion, is a Roman soldier, right? These aren't even Jews or Israelites, yeah? This is a Roman soldier, one of the people, types of people that crucified Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he said he had a servant at home that was sick and really tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come unto my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, to them that followed. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So this is someone that basically didn't even think they were worthy of asking for help, but they still asked for help from Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ healed the person from a distance by word only. Now, what more could Jesus Christ do for you him being now a resurrected, perfected being that owns all the keys to the universe in heaven and earth, what could he do for you if you were to ask for help? Something you might consider. So what could we believe instead? Yeah, number one, God wants your life to be easier. Otherwise, you couldn't learn to know what it feels like to be God. Now, when that person in church said that we couldn't know what it feels like to be God if life wasn't hard, I disagree. I don't want to be a God that has a hard life. I want to be a God that has an easy life. And I believe that God's life is easy. I believe that he's structured his life to be as easy as possible for him because he's learned his lessons and he wants his life to be fulfilling and enjoyable and learning without any of the clutter that's there. Yeah. And second belief, commandments are simply a gauge of where your heart is. It's Learn to repent through the power of Christ and your desires will change without you needing to consciously change your behavior. Yeah, no, believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ through faith, repentance, living, you know, striving to understand your covenants. Yeah, and receiving the Holy Ghost and letting the Holy Ghost teach you, right? That's what's going to change your heart. Then number three, accept who you are. And what you have done. And sometimes I tell people, just say, oh, well, 
You know, like if you did something that broke the commandment, some kind of sin, it wasn't that great Just say, oh, well, right? Because in the end, punishing yourself for it isn't going to move you forward. There's no need to be so judgmental to yourself. And what if the whole point of this life was to have the experience of learning from mistakes and having fun while doing it, right? Allowing yourself the space to make mistakes and then learning from it and enjoying the whole process. What if that was what it's supposed to be? What if it's supposed to be fun? What if you're supposed to laugh at yourself, right? You do something, it's not great, and you're like, wow, how did I get in that situation? I didn't really want to be that kind of person that was doing it, but uh, you know, unconsciously, I went to that and I did that, right? Then you can know more of who you are, accept who you are, repent, and learn from the mistakes. <clears throat> and that's kind of the whole point. And you can laugh about it later. In fact, I know problems are gone for my life when I just laugh at myself and laugh at how ridiculous I was thinking and living. Now, <clears throat> the last belief is a really important one. It's that Christ is mighty and all-powerful to save. He is mighty. Yeah. Know that he is the king and master of the universe and your universe and can heal you and save you from all things. When you know that, then you really don't have to stress out about it too much. You can just say, hey, I'll live the gospel. All I got to do is go to Christ and he'll teach me. And I learn from him and the spirit teaches me. And I just got to say, hey, my desires are off. Can you help me understand my desires? That's super simple and super easy. And it all depends on your ability to ask for help, right? And Jesus Christ is going to give that help when you ask of him. So really, yeah, when I raised my hand and I said, you know, is it really the gospel that's hard to live or is it the commandments? They all kind of agreed it was the commandments. But then I said, well, here's the thing. I don't think the commandments are the gospel. And then that sparked a lot of controversy because I could tell with everyone that I said that to, they may just not have been ready to hear that. And really, ultimately, I think I'm looking at the gospel through the lens of that really commandments are just a gauge of how well we're doing living the gospel, right? It isn't the gospel. It's just a measurement. Yeah. And so, you know, in that culture of the church, right, like church headquarters with those mission presidents that are asking missionaries to tract because they did it hard. So now the missionaries have to do it hard, right? Or else they won't learn their lessons. They're starting to crack down on that and they're saying, no, like missionaries can do missionary work in their apartment sometimes, you know, just on the phone, doing Instagram posts and things like that. The culture's changing. And I think that's a really important thing to change in the culture or else missionary work really won't move forward until we believe that living the gospel is easy and that missionary work can be easy. You know, and that person that went through the training and he had those quadruple binds. I, uh, he was up there in the chair with me. And I realized that in his world, right, like he didn't think he could be happy and he didn't want to be himself. I thought to myself, I said, how in the world did someone that doesn't like himself this much end up in a training about self-improvement and growth, right? And I remembered that maybe, you know, this person was inspired by other people in his life that really wanted to see him be successful. And the reason why he would do something like this is that when that other person sees him successful, then he himself can see that person light up with joy. Or if he's not successful, then that other person will be disappointed. And that that person, other person's happiness is what fuels his own desire to be happy. 
and his own drive. And so I basically said, now you're sitting here in a chair and you have an opportunity to give yourself happiness. Wouldn't you think that so-and-so would be very disappointed if you didn't take the opportunity to be happy? And immediately his whole countenance changed because I was speaking to him at the level of where his mind was at. And immediately he said, okay, I'm ready to let go. And he let go of limitation. Now he's living so much more happier, right? So sometimes you have to get down right at someone's level to really communicate with them. And this is something that I've got to work on at church, you know, because sometimes I stir the pot a little too much. And, you know, my family that was one-upping each other, right, about going on vacations and road trips and all that stuff, they, they came to me and they're like, well, what about you, Kenny? I was like, you guys win. I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> I was like, you guys win the hardest life. I'm okay having the easiest one, right? I'm willing to lose that battle. I don't want to win that battle. That's something that's actually losing when you win it. And so, you know, really, I've had to learn in the last couple of years, right, that life can be easy. And I've had to uproot, you might say, my own flower bed of beliefs and limitations that I've had. And after I got done demolishing 5,000 pounds worth of concrete on that flower bed, my brother-in-law asked me, he said, why didn't you use a jackhammer? And I thought, you know what? That would have been a lot easier and a heck of a lot more fun for sure. I would have loved to use a jackhammer and get that done. I mean, how many times do we really think like we're going to get back and we're going to be like, oh yeah, like I went through my life and I made it as difficult as possible, right? Now I'm going to get my reward, right? And then Jesus Christ is going to be there and be like, why didn't you just use my gospel? Why didn't you just repent instead of trying to control your behavior all the time? Why did you punish yourself and self-isolate yourself and keep yourself from making money because you felt bad? When I had my arm of mercy extended to you, And I was willing to heal you right on the spot. Now, this is an important thing to think about. And I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ in that way, that he's always willing and ready to help. Thank you for listening today. And as always, please share this podcast. Yeah, pretty soon it will be video. Feel free to donate to the podcast if you want to see it continue going and see it in video. I'm planning on doing a series more on psychedelics and drugs and the effect they have on spirituality. And I want to bring on some guests and make sure it's recorded. So please donate to the cause and uh, stay tuned till next week. Thank you for listening. Ken loves to get feedback from his audience. Send him a private message or write a review so that he can discuss topics that are most relevant to your spiritual experience. Thank you for listening today and remember to join next week.